Well, Happy New Year, Calvary. This was the first week of uh, work in the new year, so it's definitely still a happy new year. I'm excited for 2021, and uh, we're going to be soon starting a, a new series here on Sunday mornings. We'll be looking at 1 Thessalonians, and that'll be our first series. More on that next week. Um, but we'll be talking uh, about what it's like to live out the gospel um, and also to minister together with the gospel. Some of the major themes of First Thessalonians, but we'll talk more about that again next week. But today, since it's still the beginning of 2021, I want to talk to us about some of God's promises that, to us uh, from Proverbs chapter 3. And so you'll recognize a lot of these verses. They're, uh, they're well-known, well-loved. Uh, but really, basically, Proverbs 3 is talking about how we walk with the Lord. And as we walk with Him, how He fulfills our desires and the promises that He's given to us. You know, Proverbs is a wonderful book to read. It's a book that shows us that it's God's will that we become wise, that we develop moral skill, if you will. It's a book that teaches us how to really live our lives successfully before God and to grow in godly wisdom in new patterns of living, in the choices that we make, in the commitments that we commit ourselves to, and even deep down to the motivations of our hearts. And we know that it glorifies God to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And Proverbs, if you will, is really God's wisdom program for the people of God. And I'd really encourage you to look into the book of Proverbs more thoroughly on your own as well. Let's pray, and we'll begin our look into this book. Lord God, we thank you so much for your grace toward us in Jesus Christ. We thank you so much that you have preserved your holy word and scripturated it for us, that we have it to guide us and to teach us that it is our authority in our lives, and that we know that as we follow it, we can please you, and we can receive more of your blessings in our lives. And we ask this morning that you would give us insight into your word, the Holy Spirit, you would make this word come alive to our souls. Amen. Well, you should be at Proverbs 3 now as you turn to it, so turn to the book of Proverbs if you're not there. Now, Proverbs is an uh, interesting book. There's a very long prologue or introduction, if you will. It's nine chapters is the introduction to the book. And in these first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs, we find that there are 10 lectures that a father is giving to his son, and we also come upon a couple speeches that are given. So I want you to know exactly where we are in the book this morning. So if you look back in Proverbs chapter 1, I'll give you a quick overview to where we are. So there's this introduction to the book that's given. The formal introduction are the first seven verses, and we learn there in verses 1 through 7 that we gain wisdom and all of its benefits by maintaining a healthy fear of the Lord, right? Verse 7. It's the theme of the book, okay? That's what brings us wisdom. And then right away, starting in verse 8, all the way through verse 19 is the first lecture that the father in the book of Proverbs gives to his son, who is a young man who's about ready to go out into the world and try to make his way and please the Lord. And so this first lecture I find the most interesting of them all is it's on the life of crime. Basically, his very first lecture is, son, don't get involved in a gang. So, very interesting lecture. 
And he says to him to seek what wisdom offers and refuse those proposals that will come along in your life by greedy people, because there's tons of them. Then after the first lecture, we get some words from woman wisdom in chapter 1, verses 20 through 33. And here in this speech, we learn that security in life and lasting peace in our life is readily available. It's offered to us by God Himself through wisdom. And then we get to the second lecture of our Father here in chapter 2, verses 1 to 22, a very long one. And there, in this lecture, it might be entitled, Strive After Wisdom. And striving after wisdom in getting to know God, which is one of the greatest benefits. And by doing so and knowing God better and better, your life is going to be protected. And so that's the theme of the second lecture. So here we are now in Proverbs chapter 3, uh, verses 1 to 12. And this is the third lecture of the father to his son. And it could be just simply entitled, Covenants, Obligations, and Promises. But I thought since it's the beginning of January, you know, God's Promises for 2021 is probably a better title for us. But that's basically what it's about. You're going to find a lot of verses in here very familiar to you, and I trust that the Lord will bless us. The big idea of this, this lecture is to really, if you fully trust Yahweh, fully trust the Lord in all things, he's, you're going to fully gain all His promises. That's what chapter 3 is about, this lecture. So, our father from Proverbs lectures us as if we're His children, and in verses 1 to 4, He's reminding us of the, God's Word and God's covenant. And then in the body of his lecture, which is verses 5 through 10, he urges us to three things. And I'll repeat these for you later. But he urges us to trust, to fear, and to honor God. Those are the core three things in the middle. And then there's the conclusion in verses 11 through 12. And this is where he, he blesses us, gives a blessing to those who are listening that God is going to orchestrate His fatherly training and discipline in our lives, one of the greatest blessings of all. So, we're going to just read Proverbs 3 as we go through it um, so that we don't get lost, and it'll be a lot easier to comprehend as we go. Now, another point that will be very helpful to you to realize is if you look at Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 12, there is yet another way this lecture is organized, if you will, for us from the Father. You'll notice that all of the odd-numbered verses in your Bible, they're commands for us. And all the even-numbered verses, they're blessings for us. You see that? I think you'll see it as we go through it. So, there's really six sets of obligations and promises, and there's just filled with lots of application in these as we go through them. And we hope that we will learn this morning some more that if we fully trust Yahweh in all things, we're going to fully benefit from His Word and from His work in our lives. So let's take a look at His introduction first. Um, the, the Father in the book of Proverbs, verses 1 through 4, is reminding us, reminding us of God's Word and God's covenant. Now, verses 1 to 2 talk about a long and peaceful life. I mean, who doesn't want that? That's one of the greatest blessings that we all would hope for, that I want to live a long life. I want to be a peaceful life, and He tells us how that can happen. Second of all, in verses 3 to 4, we all want, in addition to that, a life that's filled with God's favor and grace upon us, and one in which that other people's favor rests upon us as well. 
So we begin in verses 1 and 2, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. You see right away the father is addressing him as son. You'll see that again at the end of the lecture. Son again, which is really the position that we're all called to take as we read this book. Because all of us are still learning from the Lord how to live a life of wisdom. And so you could even think about putting yourselves in the shoes of a young man. Maybe you were there. Maybe you're there right now. Trying to figure out how life works and what actually pleases the Lord. That's what this lecture is about. That's who it's for. And the very teaching here is the Yahweh's teaching for His people. So the obligation part in verse 1 is very simple. It's to listen and don't forget His teaching. Now, in the original context, the author, of course, is talking about this very book that's here in front of us. And, of course, by extension, we have all of God's Word as a whole. But even at the beginning of the last lecture, if you look over briefly to Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1, he begins this way. He says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures... And he goes on and says, then you're going to find it. Then you're going to understand it. You know, and when he says this thing, do not forget, basically we can turn that around and it says, be responsible to remember. Right? I mean, it's just like we, we told our young children when we were training them um, that now, what did mommy say? Repeat it back. And similarly, we need to rehearse the Word of God to ourselves so that we don't forget it that we actually are intentional to remember it. And the obligation goes even further than just simply knowing it. It says, talks about obeying with one's heart, with the core of our being, our whole being. And that implies that we thoroughly know what God requires, that we have an attitude of accepting what we read because the Scriptures are the ultimate authority in the Christian's life. And that we are ready to align all of our faculties, every, every fiber of our being to keep what God puts before us. Now, of course, the how-to is really simple. It's just consistency in the Word of God. That's how you remember it. Yeah, we should also know that the best way to remember things is to commit them to memory and to actually spend some time meditating on them, not just reading over it too quickly. In fact, I hope that's part of one of your goals. Here's one application we can all do. I know many of you had, and that's just simply commit to read through the Bible faithfully in a year. And to spend time every single day reading through it and even putting some scripture passages to memory. And then in verse 2, we get to the promise. So the promise is, the obligation is to not forget, to remember the Word of God. The promise is a long life. Now, following God's Word is going to lead to this, the scriptures say, in His providence, in His design of things. In fact, it's a promise that came way back in Exodus, a promise that was repeated in the New Testament by the Apostle Paul from Exodus 20, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that your Lord your God is giving you. Right? And here's the father speaking to his son. You see, all things being equal, and that's what Proverbs is talking about. We know that all things are not equal, hardly ever in our lives. Okay? But all things being e equal He's saying that those who keep this obligation are going to live a longer and happier life. 
because God's going to make it work that way. Now, of course, there are many reasons for exceptions, meaning God's unusual or His special purposes. They're innumerable, and His reasons are mostly hidden. He doesn't reveal them to us. And we also see things like we see the wicked prospering in the world. We see righteous people dying young. We see Christians suffering. I mean, these are all other topics. But, you know, for me, last year, um, or the year, about a year and a half ago, one of, my, one of my best friends' son, teenage son, was killed in a road rage accident. And on top of that, three boys from the same church were in that car, and they all died. Very unusual. All faithful, godly Christians. Those are exceptions, and we all live through these things. But that's not the focus of our passage here. Because if we focus on exceptions, we're going to miss the teaching. And the teaching that is before us is what our focus is supposed to be. You see, because the wise man trusts in the Lord to uphold his moral order freely. That is, in his own sovereign design. And he's going to uphold it with all contingencies in place in response to human activity. Bruce Waltke continues in, in his commentary to say things like this, we are confident that as we fulfill our obligations, God in His own time, in His own way, He will uphold all things, even though we see the wicked prospering and the righteous suffering. But see, the promise here is for a long life. And it's not just a long life. Did you notice there's an addition to that? That's peace. Peace. If, if, if your life is long and it's not peaceful, that's almost a curse. But if it's filled with peace, that's a real blessing. And that's always going to be the case if you follow God's Word, even if your life ends up being short, if it's peaceful. And the word for peace here in Hebrew is shalom. It's a full-orbed word, as I'm sure many of us are familiar with. It talks about rich satisfaction in life, meaningfulness, joyfulness, contentment, a wholeness in God. And, and the passage here intends to take us even beyond this brief life. The author here is talking more than just about this life. He's talking about the eternal dimension of peace. We're going to live forever peacefully in fullness and meaningfulness and joy before our God after this life's over. So that's the first pair, if you will, in verses 1 to 2. We all desire a long and peaceful life, and it comes from paying attention to His Word and following it. And then he continues to remind us of the covenant in verses 3 and 4, and this is talking about wanting favor in the eyes of God and man. And we read, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. So on top of a long life, on top of a long peaceful life, here is a desire for getting favor from God and favor from people. So the obligation here in verse 3 is very simple. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Steadfast love, love, covenant love, and faithfulness or fidelity that's required by being in a covenant relationship with God. Now, these two words mean a lot. They're very important words in the Old Testament. We see them so many times repeated. And that's because they reflect God's very character in His commitment to the covenant and to His people in the covenant. So we read in Exodus 34, 6, for example, 
the Lord passed before him, meaning Moses, this is when he showed himself to Moses, and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And that's who God is. It's a love that's covenant-based. It's a commitment, and His faithfulness never wavers. So, it's really interesting in the proverb, you see, that those two terms that talk about who God is in, in an infinite capacity is now applying those things as an obligation for those of us who know Him and who are in love uh, with Him in covenant, that we would show loyalty to Him, a loyal love, and that we would stay true to this covenant. We've been brought into the new covenant by the blood of Jesus Christ, by His grace, through faith in Jesus' cross and resurrection. And the assurance that we are in the covenant is given to us by the sealing of the Holy Spirit, and we know we belong to Him. And so then we get to these two images to bind around a neck and to write on the heart. They're phrases that, that emphasize that we accept the authority of God, that we accept the covenant terms, that we want to be defined differently than the world. This is our mark, that we follow the authority of God. Verses 1 and 2, in other words. So the first picture about binding around your neck is a picture of a necklace. And uh, in the time of the writing, this is a symbol of honor, that you belong to another, a symbol of protection, that you're being protected, and a symbol of guidance. This is what the covenant is like. And so keeping the covenant of God and the obligations therein, it's going to set us apart from the world. It's going to be a means by which God protects our life and guides our life. And so, for example, we read in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates." is definitely a rem reminder from Proverbs, in Proverbs, of Deuteronomy. The second image is to write it on your heart. Much easier one for us to understand what that means. It's just talking about the internalization of Scripture. It's a very familiar concept, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, to make the word internal. It means going back again to memorizing and meditating on Scripture, but also, you know, one of the best ways is simply obeying Scripture. Because when we obey it, then we're more likely to remember it and to remember the blessings that came from doing so. So together, this first pairing in verses 1 and 2 and the second pairing in verses 3 and 4, they basically teach us how to know God better and to do what we know. That's what they speak to. So verse 4, then we get to the promise. The promise is favor, and, favor or grace. might have a different, thing, a different word in your translation. And success or esteem from success. A reputation gets built. So that's, that's quite a statement because the author here of Proverbs is saying, these come from both God and people around you who observe your life. Favor and grace, a reputation, they come from God and from people. God will favor you and grant you success, be pleased with you, if you will, like a proud father. 
And people will respect you and honor you and seek you out because of the success that they see in your life and the relationship that you have with God. You know, this happened in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ Himself, who is not only our Savior and our Lord, but also our model. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. You see, He set before us the pattern of living before God by keeping the Proverbs. You see, it's His image into which we are being transformed continually and being conformed to. He is our model, and He faithfully lived out godly wisdom in His humanity when He was here. So, in this introduction, you will, the Father in our text here is reminding us of Yahweh's Word and how valuable it is, the covenant promises. I mean, do you want a long and peaceful life with respect from people? How do you want to grow in 2021? Well, then spend your time in the Word of God and get to know the teaching better and better and spend time pondering its meaning, not just checking off the boxes, I finished reading the, you know, a certain book this day. Devote yourself to living it out. Review your habits. I'm sure many of you will be really encouraged to see how God has continually conformed you to the image of His Son throughout last year. Some of us, maybe we need to redouble our efforts, gotten a little slack. Or maybe some of us just need to get started in spending time in God's Word. But above all, just believe what He says to you here. This is God's Word. You see, this is the way life works. Another way of saying it is, this is the way He makes life work. Because God is sovereign over all the affairs of this world. Life works, like verses 1 through 4 tell us. This is quite an awesome introduction to a lecture, if you were His son, listening to it or reading it. And now on to the three main obligations and promises in our text this morning and learning that if by fully trusting Yahweh in all things, we get to fully experience His promises. So we see these in verses 5 and 6, then again there's another one in 7 and 8 and 9 and 10. So after this reminder of God's Word and God's covenant, there's an urging to trust the Lord and have a smooth journey. That's what verses 5 and 6 are about. Trust the Lord and have a smooth journey. Verses 7 to 8, fear the Lord and be healed and refreshed. Fear the Lord and be healed and refreshed. And then finally in verses 9 and 10, honor the Lord and enjoy abundance. Honor the Lord and then enjoy abundance. So let's look at the first one. Trust Yahweh, trust the Lord, and have a smooth journey. These were already read for us this morning. Key promises, ones that we all know well, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. So the obligation, of course, is to have full confidence in Yahweh, as we've been learning already in this lecture. Do you have full confidence in Yahweh? I mean, it's a good question to ask ourselves repeatedly. This means, you see, not ultimately really trusting in ourselves or our understanding of things, trusting in our own resourcefulness. You know, I found this is particularly hard for us as Americans because those are our three, greatest, three of our greatest values, is to trust our own thinking and to trust our own resources because we have so many. But, you know, after traveling the world and living life long enough, you realize, ah, it's just not the Americans that have the problem. 
Everybody has this problem around the world. It's part of the fallen human condition that we trust in ourselves, that we trust in our own understanding, that we trust in our own resourcefulness. And clearly, that makes a great challenge for our faith because here are even the residualness of the flesh waging war against the Spirit, then it makes a big challenge to have faith in God, to faith in Yahweh, not in ourselves. You know, and this becomes so important at those times in our lives when our ideas do not match reality, when our ideas do not match God's revealed will. What that means is God's revealed will is that means what's happening, what He's doing. When our ideas don't match this, what He's working out in our lives by providence. You see, we either don't like what we read in the Bible, or we don't like how God's running the world. Even more importantly, we just don't like how He's running our life. But we need to acknowledge that we need a better wisdom than what we can bring to it, a better understanding, a better resourcefulness than we have in our own lives. And simply put, if we have too much confidence in ourselves, that just undermines having confidence in Yahweh. We need to put ourselves before Him. And so the obligation is so strong that it actually continues a little bit over into verse 6, and we read here, in all your ways, literally the Hebrew is, know Him. Yeah, know Him, not acknowledge. I mean, sort of mean the same thing. But they mean different things to us. It's so strong. It's to know God in all of our ways every day. It's not, as some have said, just a nod to God. Oh, I acknowledge Him. He's part of this. As acknowledge might imply, it's not a token momentary prayer. You know, Lord, bless my plans. That, that's not what He's talking about in all your ways acknowledge Him. He's talking about in all your ways, know Him. That means being aware of God's presence. It means communicate, communing with Him, desiring His very presence with you. It's wanting Him so close to you every day as you go throughout each event in all of your planning, in all of your goals, in all of your relationships and interactions with people, and even for the future, that you just want God so close. And so then the promise is, if you walk that closely with Him, He's going to make your paths smooth. He's going to take you down the right path. He's going to smooth out your journey, if you will, along the way as you go. He'll guide you, give you clear direction, remove obstacles, and take you exactly to His appointed goal for your life. Trust Yahweh and have a smooth journey. That's what the Father is saying to His Son. Next, He says, fear Him and be healed and refreshed. Verses 7 and 8, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So, you know, the obligation is so important from what we just read above in verses 5 to 6. So it continues right here in trusting Yahweh, fearing Him. Here it's don't be wise in your own eyes. So if you look later on in the book of Proverbs, it gets stated this way. This is what it means to be wise in your own eyes. Do you see a man who's wise in your own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. That's not a lot of hope. So one might actually get the impression here that this is a serious problem in the human condition, being wise in our own eyes. I mean, we've all seen it in action. We've all lived it out, too. Hopefully, we've learned along the way. But, you know, you just think through our lives. I mean, it begins pretty early with precocious children who act as if they're already adults. That's being wise in their own eyes. 
You see it in idealistic youth who make rash decisions about every single thing they can make a decision about. That's being wise in your own eyes. You see it in those big-headed graduates who come out thinking that they have the solution to every problem in the world, and it's simple. The rest of the world's dumb. That's being wise in your own eyes. You see it with new parents who decide they're going to raise the perfect family. That's being wise in your own eyes. We see it in those people who get into life and start to experience some success, and they think, ah, it's because of my good choices. That's being wise in our own eyes. It never ends, you know. Then we make it into a mid-career life or later on, and we realize we had a really successful career. And we take full credit for it because we just made such wise and confident and good decisions all along the way. That's being wise in your own eyes. And even older people, older saints, can overplay the wisdom they've gained from life and try to be God to other people. You see, it's a scary thought, isn't it? There's opportunities all throughout life to be wise in our own eyes. But if we're wise in our own eyes, strong in our own strength, smug, thinking we know more than everybody else, at some point we are going to miserably fail. And we're going to make a lot of mistakes, we're going to end up hurting people, and we're going to end up doing evil things that don't please God. That's why the opposite of being wise in your own eyes is to fear the Lord. That's the opposite of it. The opposite is to fear the Lord. Going back to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, this is the theme of the whole book. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You see, and then this, this is the theme, verse 7, and then there are just dozens and dozens of variations on this theme that we read about as we read through the book of Proverbs. In other words, we're to get God's wisdom get a proper perspective, and get out of evil, especially if you're involved in it. Get out of it. Keep yourself in check by a healthy fear of the Lord and wanting His wisdom for your life. And then the promise comes to us after that, if we fear the Lord properly and we are not wise in our own eyes, the promise comes, here it is, in verse 8. It will be healing to your navel. That's literally what it says in Hebrew. You'll get your navel healed. Yeah, how many people need their navel healed, right? So that's why the translators decide we're going to go a little different direction on that one. So, but the reason that the word navel is used is because that's seen as the center point, poetically, the center point of your body. It means the core of your being. It's going to be healing to the very core of your being if you fear the Lord. And that's what refreshment or medicine to your bones means as well, down into the innermost part, deep down inside of us. It's talking about physical healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing in our lives, healing at every single level you need healing at. It comes from fearing the Lord. In other words, we might even say that the fear of the Lord and not being wise in our own eyes is one fundamental principle to health, to feeling better, and to feeling better about life in 2021. I hope you want to feel better about life in 2021. I do. Well, fear of the Lord will get us there. So then after these two things are stated, we learned in verses uh, 5 and 6 to trust the Lord, and we'll have a smooth journey. And then in verses 7 and 8, we learned that if we fear Him, we're going to find healing and refreshment coming into our lives. Those are promises. 
wonderful things to have. But then finally in verses 9 to 10, honor the Lord and enjoy abundance in verses 9 and 10. And so we read, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. This is a key instruction in the lecture. Again, put yourself in the shoes of the original recipient. And the father giving this lecture, he saved this particular illustration for just this point in the lecture because you see the proof test of trust and of fear, it's right here. Do we honor him? You see, because if one honors the Lord with one's wealth, then one truly trusts and fears the Lord. If one does not honor the Lord with one's wealth, then that person does not really trust and fear him. It's a great test. It's the best, one of the best tests that God has devised because financial pressures are always going to be in our life. Always. I mean, you never escape them. Have you ever noticed that? It's like you never escape financial pressures. It's like a lifelong test that God gives us. It's a wonderful test because it's a test of trust, a test of fear, a test ultimately of honor. Now, the obvious matter here, of course, is the giving of the tithe as part of worshiping Yahweh, as our text makes very clear, and mentions that, to give the first and best of your income. And we honor the Lord as the giver of all good things in our lives, in our giving. And perhaps even more is implied as you read the proverb, for God requires generosity way beyond that. That's like the beginning of generosity, beyond the simple 10% idea. He, he expects way more from His people to be generous people. You know, both the Old Testament and the New Testament speak about being blessed because we honor the Lord from our wealth. I mean, probably some of the famous ones that you would know would be Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It says, bring the full tithes into the storehouse and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord, of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. In the New Testament, for example, we read in 2 Corinthians 9, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Later on in that same text section, you will be enriched in every way for all your generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. And then again, in this very passage in this section in 2 Corinthians, who's the ultimate model again for us? It's the Son of God. It's Jesus Christ who again lives out the perfect life. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Well, enough said. I think you get the point. But here's the promise. The promise is that you're going to find your wealth miraculously increased. That's the promise. You see, God is behind the overflow. He's very resourceful because he commands, he can command blessing from all the ends of the earth because he created the heavens and the earth, and everything is at his disposal. And we know as a Christian that wealth isn't supposed to be hoarded. It's supposed to be used to bless other people. It's a cycle, isn't it, of honoring the Lord, him blessing us, and then we honor him again, and we're generous. It's all to his glory. Here's another application perhaps for you this morning, and that is what are your generosity goals for 2021? We have a lot of goals in our lives, 
Usually they're about personal health and improvement, but we could also have a goal for being more generous. You see, the father in his lecture to his son has been in, in urging him and urging us, of course, to trust the Lord, to fear the Lord, and to honor the Lord. Are you spending time to be close enough to God to be counseled by His Word and the Spirit of Christ in order to be able to find His guidance and experience His blessings? That's what this center section is all about. So each of these obligations and each of these promises can be applied to so many parts of our lives. I mean, where do we need to trust the Lord? Where do we need to fear Him and not be wise in our own eyes? Where do we need to honor Him? There's so many places. So use this Proverbs, this lecture, to help yourself fully trust Yahweh in everything so that you can fully experience His blessings this coming year. And then we get to the conclusion of the lecture in verses 11 and 12. And the Father in the text is blessing us with God's fatherly discipline as He ends. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of His reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father of the son in whom he delights. So in verse 11, the obligation is simply to accept God's correction and grow by it. And in verse 12, the promise is very clear that it's a really good promise. God's going to give us his fatherly love and discipline. And so my son, it begins in verse 11, and it sets us up for the conclusion. You remember that's how the lecture began. That's how we know we're in this, this is a unit this is the third lecture of the father in, to his son in this, in this passage. And so the obligation is to not reject Yahweh's correction. Don't reject God's correction in your life or become wearied by it. You sort of wonder, you know, in the original context, was that going on at the moment in the son's life? Maybe it is in yours. Or maybe it's just simply letting us know that, you know, that's going to be part of our life since we have God as our father. Life can be wearying at times. And so his correction, his training can come in so many different forms because, again, Yahweh rules over everything. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. So everything is at his disposal to train us. Now, the first thing that should come to mind as we read this as a unit, as one passage in one section, is that how might he bring correction and weariness into our lives? Well, the first thing you ought to think about is removing all those blessings. That would be one way, removing peace, Removing favor for a time, removing smoothness, removing refreshment, removing abundance. Those are some things. But we have to admit it's very difficult to interpret hardship in our life. And you should probably know that it's even more difficult to interpret hardship in other people's lives. You don't need to interpret hardship in other people's lives. You have enough hardship of your own to interpret. Okay? So interpreting hardship can be really difficult because you can look like an example like Job in the Bible... Well, a lot of people made the mistake and thought he did something wrong, but the Bible makes it very clear that he's the righteous one who's suffering. Even though he didn't quite get it at the time until the end. And then other times in the Bible, you know, it's relatively easy. You know, you read some of the Psalms that David wrote about himself or about other people, and it's almost as if there's a one-to-one -one correspondence. You did this, God did that. So you don't really know sometimes. It can be hard. Maybe through serious prayer and intelligent use of Scripture and godly counsel, it's not as hard as we might think it is. I don't know. But we're not supposed to become wearied. In other words, we've got to keep our attitudes in check because we don't want to end up in a position where we despise God for our life because it's not what we want or it's too exhausting. We don't want to be in that position. 
It means entering into and accepting what He has for us, for our growth. It means not getting worn out by it or exasperated. You see, the wise person in the book of Proverbs wants this kind of scrutiny, wants this level of care from God His Father. It's the fool who doesn't want this, according to the book of Proverbs. You know, we're so thankful for our father's, earthly father's guidance, no matter what level they gave it. But how much more is our heavenly father's guidance? It's perfect and it's infinite. And so, this is the good promise at the very end, that God will give us his fatherly love and discipline. It's, it's as if the father in the text, speaking to his son originally, now brings in God will be his father, not just he himself will be him, for him. So the promise is to receive a loving correction from God our Father who delights in us. Do you see that there? For the Lord reproves those whom he loves, the Father the Son in whom he delights. And the reason God our Father delights in us as his children is because he delights in his eternal Son. The Father delights in the Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who purchased us And by the Holy Spirit, we are adopted into God's family and become His children, and He works in our lives to cause us to grow spiritually. It's this attention and correction that are signs of His love and grace. God hasn't abandoned us to live our own lives and ruin our lives by ourselves like a poorly guided child. He loves His children, those that are part of the covenant, and he He doesn't want us to ruin our lives. And He's extremely patient with us as His children. You've probably noticed that in your own life. Probably in other people's lives, you've noticed, wow, God is really patient in turning this person around. But he knows exactly what works in each of his children's lives and what doesn't, just like any earthly father would, but with infinite wisdom and knowledge. You know, this is, this is true enough. When we're on this sort of topic of God's discipline. It's find it curious that we tend to focus so much on, like, the analogy of parenting early children. But it's really a much bigger concept than that. It's, it's beyond those basics that, you know, you're saying silly things like, well, you know, God's going to spank you for that or something. That's not what's really this is all about. It's about training. It's about discipline. It's about a program for wholeness and holiness. It's about this life and the next life. I mean, the father in the text is not speaking to a two-year-old. He's speaking to a young man. And so, other metaphors that we find in Scripture for how God does this are things like coaching, guiding, training programs for grown-ups, like athletes and soldiers. There are many other examples that are given in Scripture. You know, as Christians, we go through a life of training, or it's a training program for holiness and godliness. So, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 12, because in Hebrews 12, This passage of Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12, is actually quoted, so we know what it's about in greater fullness, and we'll understand it better this way. So, if you turn to Hebrews 12, starting in verse 1, it says this, "'Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely.'" And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. 
In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you've come to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there from whom his father does not discipline? If you're left without discipline in which all have participated, then you're illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Great application of Proverbs 3, this whole lecture. So take great comfort in the progress that you're making by his watchful care and involvement in your life. You know, in verses 11 and 12, the father blessed his son, blesses us by reminding us of God's fatherly discipline in our lives. I mean, you can think about it this way. God's discipline or training, they're meant to help us, if you will, to keep all the obligations of the odd verses. That's why. Because if we keep all the obligations of the odd verses, we get to experience even more the promises of the even verses. God's discipline and training is to teach us to fully trust Him and to fully trust Him in everything so that we can fully experience all the blessings He has for our life. You know, the book of Proverbs as a whole and this particular lecture from the Father in the very beginning in the introduction to His Son is really just talking about living a basic, normal Christian life in a generally stable society and living in such a way that's pleasing to God as one of His people. That's what the book of Proverbs is about. That's what this lecture is about, introducing the book. It speaks to general life matters for believers, their obligations and the promises that come along with them. You see, it, it doesn't address a lot of exceptions or many hardships or God's special works or just the fact that we all live in a sinful world where we're going to grow old and die. It doesn't directly speak to very specific callings that God may have on our lives. Yet it teaches us to navigate life well with God's wisdom and for His pleasure. You see, following Him, keeping His word and His covenant, it's going to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. And that's the goal. And it's going to cause us to grow spiritually. So we might want to take some time this week, since it's the beginning of the new year, and think through some of the areas of our lives and how this section of Proverbs might push us further in greater wisdom. So we might consider our, our progress and some of these obligations this morning. How well am I doing in remembering God's Word, in loving God, in being faithful to the relationship I have with Him? How well am I doing? How well am I doing in trusting Him for everything, not in myself? Maintaining a healthy fear of Him, not being wise in my own eyes honoring him with the generosity he's given to me, giving it back to him. How am I doing in accepting his fatherly love and training program that he seems to have in my life? Thanking him for being involved in my life and not an absentee 
Father. So we might consider then also the real blessings that are tangible and take them and enjoy them and give glory back to God for the giver of, the, of all good gifts. He promises even greater blessings to us than we have received in Jesus Christ's spiritual blessings and eternal blessings that go even way beyond what we've been reading about this morning. But he does promise us a long and meaningful life that's covered in his graceful, in his graceful favor. He promised us guidance and healing and plenty enough throughout our lives. He promises His love. He promises His delight that He'll work in our lives to cause us to grow in both holiness and happiness. May we fully trust Yahweh in all things for 2021 and fully inherit all the promises and the blessings that He puts before us. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, you are our good and gracious Heavenly Father. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth and their sustainer. And you direct all things for the purposes of your will, your glory, but to an end for the goodness for your people whom you've loved eternally in Jesus Christ. And that's us here this morning. And we thank you for your deep commitment, your steadfast love and faithfulness to us, your involvement in our lives and how you teach us through your word to trust you in all things, to honor you, to fear you, all these things that we've been studying this morning. And we ask that you would cause us to grow this year to the point that when we get to the end of 2021, that we can look back and that we can see how you've made us um, more holy and more happy in Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. Amen.